Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me for another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have an awesome guest with me today. Um, I have a, a, He's a professor of journalism at the Northwest Missouri State University. His name is Jason Offit. He's the author of many books on the paranormal, um, from shadow people to time travel, which that's the two main subjects we'll be talking about today is shadow people and time travel but to exploring American monsters. And he's even written books on the figure J.C. Penny and a giant named Ella Elwig. So, and a mind reading dog. So he's had some amazing stuff. And let me just read you his bio that he wrote on his, uh, on his uh, page. I think it's pretty funny. He wrote, Jason Offutt grew up in a farm near the little town of Oric, Missouri. In his life, he's been a farmhand, journalist, photographer, bartender, and the mayor of the small town. Jason now teaches journalism at the Northwest Missouri State University in Maryville and keeps the world safe from the forces of evil. Okay, so now that we've got the interview bios out of the way, here's who I really am. He says, I'm a nerd, a Dungeons and Dragons playing Star Trek watching conspiracy theory fanboy. The Twilight Zone is the greatest television ever created. Author Michael Christian was a wizard. And I once went to a Halloween party dressed as Gilligan and my wife went as Marianne, hubba bubba. As a kid, I looked for Sasquatch footprints in the yard, UFOs over our farmhouse. One night, my whole family saw something that shouldn't, couldn't have been in the sky damn straight. And one afternoon alone, I saw a full-bodied apparition that stared at me through hollow eyes. Wow, I got to ask him about these things. So yeah, that's me, he says. If you want to talk writing, nerd stuff, and the paranormal, send me a message. I'll try to respond as soon as possible. But if I'm on on deadline that cute kid in the picture can't be kind can be kind of a dick that he's referring to the picture he has on the website so i want to welcome him to the show jason thank you for joining me how are you hey i'm doing great and i really appreciate the invitation thanks i i i i i heard you on another um website and i thought you would be perfect for my show because you know i talk about all these different subjects on my show and i think they so they are so fun to talk about what's more it's more even more fun is when we can actually prove them or when people have eyewitness accounts like you like i wanted to go over this first what, what you said in your bio that you know that you had a ufo over your farmhouse and you saw a full-bodied apparition can you get into that a little bit yeah, you bet. Uh, I'll do the apparition first because uh, it came first. I was about I was about eight years old, maybe, and uh, <clears throat> I walked out from uh, from my bedroom, and and I remember it was an afternoon. It was probably a Saturday or Sunday, um, and I walked out to the to the this hallway that was right in front of my bedroom uh, because that's where we kept books, and I've always been a reader. And and I went to pick up a book, and there was a little boy standing in the hallway. And, and let, me, let me give you a little bit of setting. Um, my house, the house that I grew up in, was uh, a schoolhouse in its first incarnation. And it was about 120 years old at the time. And um, so when the school was shut down, it became a you know, private residence. But anyway, so it, it was an old house. And a lot of things had, had happened in it. But anyway, I, I saw this little boy. And, and we'd lived six miles out in the country. There shouldn't have been a little boy out there. Um, I think I was shocked more that there was a stranger in my house at first, but then when I looked at him, got to looking at him, and I could still see him. He had, he had brown hair that was parted on one side. He was wearing a blue flannel shirt and blue jeans, and I could see the bookshelves through him. And like I said, I was about eight or nine years old, and we just we stood there staring at each other. I was in in shock, and then uh, the the little apparition blinked. And, and that broke my shock. And I, I turned around 
and walked back in my bedroom and shut the door. And I, I didn't talk to anybody about it for 30 years. What do you think, like, is this, did this prompt you to look into either the historical uh, presence of your house? Is that when you found out it was a schoolhouse or what, what made you look into the, the fact that there did, did you always know you growing up that you lived in a, an old schoolhouse? Oh, right. Well, actually, my, my grandmother taught in that, that house when it was a schoolhouse. And, and my dad and, and my uncle and my aunts went to school there up until, uh, I think, sixth grade. So I'd always known it was a schoolhouse. That's really um, interesting. Yeah, but when it came to, to, to the, the, the history of did somebody die on the property or who could this little boy be, I wanted nothing to do with it. That would have made it really, uh, it would have made it too personal. Uh, and I was uh, interviewing a, a psychic once, and um, I, I don't, I've never believed in psychics until I talked to this lady, <laughs> and she told me a bunch of things that she, in no way in hell could have known, but she said, you had an occurrence in your, um, you know, an encounter in your house when you were a kid. Do you want to know who the boy was that you saw? And I'm like, nope, don't give me a name. I, I don't want to know. And she, so you didn't, so you just told her no, you, you, yep. you, you did Wow, that, I give that a lot of props. Like, I think I would jump at the opportunity to know who it was. You know what I mean? Like, but I, I could see why you didn't because it would have made it. It could have possibly had something to do with like, you, who knows what? You know what I mean? Like, right? It could have been your relatives or something. Like, had an encounter with him or something. You never know. You know? Like, yeah. Well, the thing is, is that 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 I know and I've known for a while that that ghosts uh, can travel. They're not rooted to one spot. And this, this apparition, this sought me out to appear in front of, and man, I didn't want that to happen again. <laughs> I've said for years, the paranormal is great as long as it's happening to somebody else. Yeah, it's, it's very weird. Like, it, it, I, 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 I don't, I don't like the atheists who try, try to say that there's, this doesn't exist because they're definitely wrong. Like, with my study of OBEs and NDEs and like at night I listen to binaural beats and I try to get into an OBE state and I have got out of body a couple of times and I've talked about it on my podcast a lot. So I don't want to beat on deaf ears. I don't want my viewers to hear the same thing, but I just want to tell you about it. I mean, I think that was kind of what proved it to me was seeing the apparition proof for you. Absolutely. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm scared to death. I think everybody is scared to death to, to some extent, but I, I know after seeing that, um, that there's something afterward. I know it's, it's weird. We don't know if it's like another dimension where we all exist and then we're just formless. And that's what it seems like more like what it is. Like, you know, like there's maybe this higher dimension, but then if you look at NDE accounts, they all talk about you know, that they went through a tunnel and they were, they, you always hear them say they were greeted with love, love, except there was a lady that came on my show and she said that she had encounters. She had two cases where the people had encounters with extraterrestrials in their ND. And that kind of threw the whole thing up into a, you know, but I still believe a lot of the cases of the people who were, um, who had the regular encounters where they go through the tunnel. And if you look at the, at Plato's story, um, I talked about this before, but Plato's story where he talks about the king of Ur, um, whose son died, and they were preparing to bury him. 
and the, the guy wakes up after being dead for 12 days. And this is in ancient Greece. And he talks about that he went through a tunnel and he told humans that there was life after earth. And this didn't go along with my, the guy who told this on my podcast said, this didn't go along with any Greek mythology. It was an NDE that, that you know, they accounted that, that was similar to our NDEs nowadays. And it didn't follow form to any other Greek mythology. You know what I mean? It was like separate. Yeah, but I've never, I, I'd never heard that story. And that's extremely cool because that's exactly what it sounds like. It sounds like, uh, you know, one of one of the near death experiences that we hear about. So that is amazing. Yeah. Now, the UFO over your house. What about that? How did you what happened with that? Well, here, I'm going to go one more uh, one more bit about the ghost, because because something you mentioned, you mentioned about the atheist who said that I don't believe that uh, because atheists don't believe anything. And, and this goes, if I might, might throw Bigfoot in there too, this kind of goes for, uh, you know, Bigfoot sightings, the same with ghosts. Every culture on this planet has had ghosts and, you know, also Bigfoot as part of their belief system. All these ancient cultures have, you know, the ancestors, the ghosts that, you know, that, that, that came back yeah. for thousands of years. I mean, how could these supposedly disconnected cultures you know you know one in 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 south america and you know one over in mesopotamia and you know all over the world in africa and and uh and and australia how can they have the same damn stories if there's not something to it i i know they they all have ghost stories right exactly well not and and i mean like i said i threw bigfoot in there because it's the same argument because all of these cultures also have bigfoot stories yeah the Native Americans even have a, they call them, um, I can't remember what they call them, but they have a, a Bigfoot story as well, right? Right. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and there are Bigfoot stories from South America, uh, from, from you know, Africa, Europe, um, a, uh, all across Russia, China, uh, in Sumatra, there's, uh, there's a smaller version of Bigfoot. And, and uh, in, in Australia, you've got the Yowie, which sounds like a really angry version of our, our Bigfoot in North America. But anyway, the, the point is, is that all these cultures going back thousands of years have these stories about, you know, Bigfoot and about, about ghosts. And, and, and unless they're real, how did they come up with the same stories? Yeah, and those cultures never connected with each other, like you said. They don't, they unless unless they did, and we don't know about it. But like, it seems like everything was so separate. You know what I mean? I, I, yeah. um, I but anyway, so I wanted to get into um your uh, I wanted to get into your UFO experience. So what right, I'm that? that's all right. Sorry, man. Yeah, I, got, I went off. I went off track. I do that. Anyway, <laughs> um, all right. So the UFO encounter. I was about 15 years old, and um. Okay, so again, six miles out in the country, the nearest house was about a mile away. There were a couple of fields in between us, and uh, it was planting season. My dad uh, you know, would work from from dawn or dawn till dusk, and it was it was night. And he, you know, finally he came home, and you know, I heard his truck go off, but he never came in the in the house. And mom was like, hey, "Go outside and see what you know about your father." And dad was leaning against the pickup bed, looking out over this field and he's like do you see that and, and i looked and there was a spot a circle uh, above the field blotted out the stars and and you know for for all the people who grew up in cities out in the country where there are no 
uh, no lights. Man, the stars go on forever. It's absolutely beautiful. But there was, it looked like a hole punch in the sky. And and we stood there and we could hear this this humming noise that, that you know, we had no other explanation for other than it came from that. And I went in and got, got my mother and, and she looked at it, came out and looked at it. And while we were all outside, I heard the phone ring. So being, you know, the kid, they sent me inside to, to answer it. It was our neighbor on the, you know, other side of the fields. And he said, do you all see that thing floating in the sky above our fields? Wow. Uh, which was you know, a total confirmation that we weren't just seeing things. Somebody else did. Yeah. And do you think they want us to see it? Like the UFOs or like the, the, the passengers of the UFO? Do you think they pick certain people like at certain times to show themselves to? Man, you know, it's out of, out of all the interviews I've done and, and all the interviews I've listened to other people do, uh, it, it, it does seem like that. Because, um, I, you know, if they wanted to open themselves up and everybody to, to see the craft, you know, they, they could very, very easily, but, but they don't, it's only select people. And, and even though there are some uh, encounters in cities, uh, you know, most of them are like, like it was with, with me and my, my, my parents, uh, you know, way out in the middle of the country. Um, would you say that got you questioning your reality more or like what, what your belief structure was then or anything like it is now? Oh no, I was a nerd, man. I was, I grew up watching Lost in Space and Star Trek reruns, um, you know, Star Wars. I mean, every, every, yeah, every that'd be the coolest thing for you, right? That'd damn be, right it was. I can imagine that that was like confirmation, right? A- absolutely. Absolutely. That was, that, man, I was giddy. That's awesome. I giddy. I've never seen one. I, I, I still, I look up into the sky all the time and it's hard to see. I live in like a West, I live in Western Pennsylvania, which is like near Pittsburgh. Like if you know where that is and um, it's hard to see the stars. Now I look up and I'll see the moon, even when it's a full moon. I mean, it it doesn't change. I'll see maybe three stars. And I don't know if that has to do with chemtrails or if that is just has to do with a cloudy sky or, or what, but like, do you see a lot of stars nowadays or, or is this, uh, I, I, I have, um, I, you know, I don't, don't live on the farm anymore. So yeah. I, I live in a, in a town and we've got a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of street lights and that, that blocks the stars. Uh, but when I have gone out in the country, uh, here where I live now, it's, you know, when it's, when it's a, when it's a cloudless night, they, it's, they look like diamonds. It's beautiful. Yeah. But the thing about uh, picking things out is we are, uh, I tend to look at things rationally before I look at, you know, we'll accept a paranormal answer. And, and the thing that we saw in the sky, I have no explanation for it. Could it have been a, a, a UFO from another, another dimension or another solar system? Hell yeah, it could have been. And that's what I want to think, but it could have been, could it have been something strange, you know, from us, from our government, you know, maybe, yeah, it, it could be. So when, when I've gone out into the country, uh, we're in a fly area from Kansas city to Des Moines and Omaha. So there are airplanes going over all the time. And and at night they look kind of, you know, they, they look like, what the hell is that? Uh, But we also can see satellites moving. And if I didn't know what they were, I I would, I would think that, you know, I was seeing a UFO. That's that's pretty cool. Like, I I mean that you, you saw one in your life. Um, 
now I want to switch the subject. I want to get into what why, why I wanted to have you on a time machine and the shadow people. I'll get into time machine first. You wrote a book called How to Build a Time Machine. Now, would you say is that more of a novel approach or is that like a hands-on interviewing experiencers type approach? Oh, or- no, that's totally nice. It's, it's, it's a humor. It's a humor novel, a humor science fiction novel about um, a, um, a super collider uh, that's a super collider that that's that's purpose was to uh uh send people to different dimensions and different times uh it's got a lot of good reviews it's uh, if i do say so myself it is pretty damn funny uh but that came from an interest in time travel yeah uh, and did that come from the art bell show i mean because I, I i know a lot of the examples i picked to talk to you about were about madman markham and john teeter which was like from the Art Bell show. I'm a big Art Bell fan. I, did you listen to it when you were young too? Oh, heck yeah, man. I, I loved Art Bell. Art Bell was a, was a terrific interviewer. I could go on about Art Bell forever. Um, he was, he was the master. Um, now I was, I mean, I was interviewed, or interviewed, I was interested in, in time travel way before then. One of the first books I can remember reading was H.G. Wells' The Time Machine. And any, any book on, on time travel or any, um, you know, TV show that had time travel in it. I mean, I was, I was sold. Um, but yeah, when it comes to, it comes to Art Bell, uh, I, I was listening uh, in 1993 when he interviewed Madman Markham. Yeah. And, and it's weird. Like, you know, like, and then he interviewed him again back in 2015 on, on Midnight in the Desert, like, which I, I you know, I, I, there's, that's still on the internet. You can hear that. Like, um, what do you, and I listened to it, but let me just say, he got Markham's contact information for 2015 from me. No, really? Yes, seriously, because uh, Markham, he interviewed uh, a couple of times on Coast to Coast. The last time he did was 1997. And, and Mike Markham told Art that he had built his, his man-sized time travel machine in a warehouse in Kansas City, Missouri, and he was going to jump into it. And then psh, nobody heard from him. Art didn't hear from him. Uh, his friends uh, in the area didn't hear from him. He just disappeared. And I was actually able to track him down. Wow. And I, yeah, I interviewed, I interviewed Mike and uh, found out what he'd been up to since he disappeared in 1997. And I, I wrote a piece um, for, um, oh gosh, a magazine in Australia. The name escapes me at, at, at the time right now, but but yeah, I I I got a hold of Art to uh, to get a quote from him for that for that article, and he was like, "You got to give me his contact info." And you actually did you talk to Art himself, or did you talk to his staff? Uh, no, it was Art and I exchanged uh, ex- exchanged emails. Oh, that's cool. But at least you can still say you exchanged email with the with the legend Art Bell. I mean, he's one of my favorites of all time. Like, I still like George Norrie and um, and George Knapp and I, you know all those guys. But Art's the master. Like you said, he's the master. He's the best of all time. Like, I, I, he's the he's the originator. He's the reason why people like me have podcasts today because. We all are inspired by art. And if people can't say they're inspired by art, I don't know who they would be inspired by because he was the starter of everything, right? Right, absolutely. And I, um, I've been on Coast to Coast AM three times. Uh, once I was interviewed, but the first time was Ian Punnett. And then uh, George interviewed me twice. And although both of those gentlemen did a terrific job during the interviews, 
man, I really wish I'd been interviewed by Art at least once. That that would have been my crowning achievement, I think. Yeah, because it's such a. It's I know what you mean it's because he's such a legend. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um. So back to Madman Markham. What was Markham up to after '97 when he disappeared? Because I know he told it on Art Bell. Like he said that like he ended up somewhere and he didn't know where he was. And if you could tell the people about it, like Madman, I'll tell them, them briefly. Madman Markham was on the Art Bell show and he talked about like how he built a time machine, but then he disappeared. And it's a very interesting story for any fans that are interested, go back and listen to it. But I can't believe you had Markham's contact info. Where was he after 97 and what happened? Like, and would you say he really traveled time? Okay. Well, what happened was he, um, because of his appearance on, on, on Art Bell, um, he started getting donations because people, people are fascinated with time travel. I, it's not just me and you. I mean, tons of people are fascinated. He started getting monetary donations and donations of equipment. And because he was, he was, he was, you know, he was broke. Um, and, and he spent time in jail for, uh, you know, his time travel annex because uh, in order to get to, uh, in 1993, in order to get the power necessary to to power his machine he stole power line transformers (laughs) that's so funny yeah Yeah, i remember that yeah and when he turned yeah turned the machine on all you know half the the town's electricity went off yeah Um, but it was so it was so cool because i i i'm i teach in maryville missouri and when i first started teaching here in 2005 i saw a, a road sign that said stanberry 27 miles and I was like holy crap that's where my madman Markham was when he built his time machine so I've been to the house where he built his time machine the the very first one I I couldn't go in because it was it was a rental property and I couldn't find the owner and it was you know locked up tight but I I was I was there and got pictures of it but anyway back back to the uh you know back to the question um and, and, okay, so, so he had all these donations, and, and he built this equipment, and to test it out, he would throw grapefruit. Okay, so he had, he had his machine, and he had like a ladder and a platform, and he was going to jump down into it. But he would drop grapefruit, grapefruit in it, and the grapefruit would disappear. And he would find them out in the parking lot of the, uh, the warehouse that he, that he rented. And that made all sorts of sense to me because the movies have it wrong, you know, because the earth is turning and is going around the sun and the our spiral arm of the Milky Way is moving through space. So if you go through time, uh, if Marty McFly would go from 1985 to 1955, the DeLorean would appear in the middle of space somewhere. It would? Because the Earth is no longer in the exact spot where Marty left, it's oh, out. Okay. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So, so what happened with 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 Mike is he dropped it dropped it in, and the the, the grapefruit appeared outside the parking lot. Okay, because the Earth's turning, and yeah, it moved a little bit. So he's like, "This is cool. I can do this." He bought some uh, guinea pigs because they're guinea pigs, and he dropped it in. And they did the same thing. They appeared out in the parking lot, but unfortunately they were dead. Oh, gosh. And what he, what he thought was, 
all right, the guinea pigs, they're too small. Their systems couldn't handle the, 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 the travel, the, the, uh, all, all of the energy. But I think a human can. So he jumped into it. And he woke up uh, in a field outside of Cincinnati. And he had no idea who he was. And it was winter. There was snow there. And he was in a T-shirt because when he jumped in, it was, uh, it was summer. Wow. So, yeah, so he was, somebody found him, took him to a homeless shelter, and it took him about a year or so for his brain to get unscrambled. And, uh, yeah, so he started uh, started working at menial jobs, and that's that's how I was at. That's when I was able to get a hold of him. Does, does and, anybody know what, what kind of uh, equipment he was using to, like, to, to actually make this possible? Like, does anybody know his setup? Like, uh, because like I've, I've talked to people before about like time travel and like I'm wondering how it's possible like what do you need do you did you ever talk to him about like the actual how it works like what what is making it work like I, I, I talked to him about the uh, the first machine that he built uh, and he basically just built a giant one um, and and it all started uh, in 1993 he uh, had moved to this area to follow a girl and the girl dumped him when he when he ended up here and he didn't have enough money to go back home so he was living in in this area in northwest missouri and he was bored one day he was he had been he had been an electronic student at one point because he was really interested in that but he so he built a jacob's ladder uh which if anybody's seen the old frankenstein movies you've got a base and you've got two metal rods like this and you feed electricity into the metal rods and the electricity goes between the two rods until the rods are so far apart, the electricity disappears and, and, the, and it starts over again. Um, yeah, they, Dr. Frankenstein had one on a shelf. But it, anyway, so he so built it's one. Just electricity? It's electricity that causes time travel, maybe? Well, that's what he claimed. Okay, so when he, when he fired this thing up, it was doing the, you know, the electricity back and forth, zip, zip. But he said that there was some strange heat signature, a circle right above it that shouldn't have been there. So, I mean, he did what guys do. They throw stuff, things at stuff, right? You know, we throw things. Yeah. So he yeah. picked up a, yeah, there was a finishing screw on the table and he threw it at that, that, that heat signature and the screw vanished. And a few seconds later, it just appeared out of thin air and dropped on the table. And at that point, he thought he'd invented time travel. And he built a bigger one in his home in, in Stanbury, Missouri, um, because he wanted to go three days in the future to get the lottery numbers. <laughs> that's what he wanted to do. So uh, that, that's when, when he turned it on, all the power went off. And I even talked to the arresting officer who was sheriff at the time that I interviewed him. Uh, and he said that, well, Markle was really smart, and I don't believe in time travel, but he sure as hell thought it worked. Yeah, I mean, if he would have maybe got it right, he, there's a possibility that he could have tweaked things and maybe got to a place where maybe he was dropped outside of his op, his operating headquarters, maybe just outside a couple of days later, and then maybe he could have got the wedding numbers, and then 
jumped himself back in, but who knows where that would see. This is why it's so unplanned because like nobody knows where that would have taken him. Like he was taking a big chance by jumping in. Like there was no oh, dial set, like the DeLorean. Like the DeLorean in Back to the Future had dial set it. So it was set to 1985. Like he didn't have a three-day, you know, all he had in mind was what he wanted to do. Like and he was just taking a I would have never jumped in that thing, I don't think, you know? Well, no, I there's no way in hell I would have jumped in that thing because basically what you had were two metal rods with a high charge electric field, you know, yeah. zipping and zapping in between it. So, I mean, the, the thing in my head is that, you know, I'm thinking big French fry. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We, when we get fried. Yeah. And yeah. with our energy, it's weird. Like I found out, I think that we are, our bodies are energy inside us. Like, you know, we have electric electricity in us. Like, and that's we, how our brain works. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, um, but too much electricity will fry us, you know, like, which I, makes sense that he didn't remember anything when he landed in that field in Cincinnati. Yes. And, and then what are your thoughts on Peter, another Art Bell guest that you were, you, you were fond of that you talked about was John Teeter. And I was familiar with the John Teeter story. It seemed like John Teeter's predictions got a couple of things right. He talked about civil war. He talked about um, a couple other things. If you want to talk about who he was and uh, what, what, if you thought he was a real time traveler or not. Well, yeah, John Teeter. Um, and this goes back to Art Bell, of course. Um, he sent faxes to, to Art Bell and what he said in those faxes were that he was uh, from like 2030 something, I think. And he was sent back in time to retrieve a specific piece of computer equipment from the 1970s and IBM. Yeah. It was um, a funny, it was a funny computer part because it seems so obsolete, right? Well, it, yeah, absolutely. It was at the time. It, it was absolutely obsolete here. But but one of the things that um, made sense is that it could that computer system was the only computer system at the time that could compute that could communicate with other computer systems. Wow, I didn't know that. That's pretty interesting. Right, right. And that's why he was sent back to, to, to pick it up. And the, the cool thing about this is at the time there were probably only uh, from what I, from what I understand from, from what I've heard and what I've read, there were only about 20 people on the planet that knew that that computer could do that. Wow. So if this was a hoax, whoever did it was privy to some information that most of us aren't. So yeah. it, he can, yeah, he came back uh, to, to, to get that piece of computer equipment and, and he, um, back in the seventies and, and he did and, and jumped forward, uh, up to 1997 or 98 or, or whatever. And, uh, and emailed art and he had also gotten in contact with himself and his parents from 1997 or 98, uh, when he was a small kid and it was in Omaha, Nebraska. Well, anyway, he, he, what he did was, was, um, talk about his history and he says there was a civil war in america that was going to happen in 2004 uh i think it 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 could have happened 
you know, about four years ago here in America. So maybe the timing's a little bit off. It could it could have happened also if we believe in parallel universes and different timelines, and possibly the fact that he could have changed the timeline so that didn't happen. Maybe he corrected a lot of things. Maybe I mean we do see this tension in our country heating up now, and I don't want to get too political because that's you know that I'm totally against politics, but you know what I'm saying. Like things are absolutely politically like I could see a civil war happening. Like. But maybe there's some things that he could have done to possibly avert it or change time. Or maybe, like I said, it could be parallel timelines. Or what do you think? Well, yeah, right. And he actually discussed that, that, that very point. I mean, he made some predictions uh, like the uh, Olympics in Atlanta. He, he predicted the bombing. Wow. He, he did that. He also talked about how the Internet would eventually be run by on wireless nodes. You know, he talked about Wi-Fi before Wi-Fi was a thing. Wow. Who knew so, that? Wow. Right. So there were some things that, that he talked about that were accurate. Uh, there were some things that weren't accurate, but he also uh, warned of that when he said, these things are going to happen, but they happened in my timeline. He said, when I came back to this year, to, to 1970-whatever, when he got that machine, he said, when I go back to the same time I'm supposed to go to where I came from, it's not going to be the same universe. Wow. Because he he said, I can never go back to my, my prime universe. I can go back to one that's almost just like it, but I, but the timelines I've already split the timelines just by, by physically going back in time. So do you think like, and this has to get in, this gets into like, like maybe like the Mandela effect, but well, the Mandela effect is just examples of like, maybe time glitches or, you know, things that we've seen like the Berenstein Bears and, um, you know, Luke, I'm your father, just little things like uh, that, that could be possibly glitches in time or examples of things from different realities of how people perceive things in different realities. Like, um, and, and that's what makes me think that the time, the Mandela effect's interesting, but it, it also makes me think, are there different versions of myself living this life? you know, and, 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 and making different decision. And every decision you make, is that like a split off in time where another version of yourself makes the other decision and you experience something else? Or, or do you think that's possible? Um, I think it's possible. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with a yes, because I think everything's possible. I, I even, um, I even uh, subscribe to what physicists have said that, we don't need to go to a parallel universe to find a parallel earth with parallel us that the universe is so vast that somewhere out there is a planet that developed exactly like earth. It looks like earth. And you know what? We're on it you wow. know, because statistically speaking, it, it, it could happen. So um, yeah, I, I, I remember back in the nineties, I loved the TV show called sliders. I don't know if you've seen that. I don't remember it. Yeah, it, it's um, it, it involves uh, a really, really uh, smart physics student uh, who develops a way to slip in between uh, parallel dimensions. And each dimension they go into, they get lost and they keep going to different dimensions. And one dimension is they never uh, invented penicillin. So people are sick and they went to another dimension to where the, uh, you know, we, the Americans didn't win the American revolution. 
you know, just a bunch of, you know, concepts like that, which is a lot of fun. That's pretty interesting. Um, now, you know, I want to get into the shadow, the, the shadow people, because they, it could have something to do with time. Like, do you think, like, what do you think the shadow people are? Because I'll go back again to the Art Bell show, and I posted this on my YouTube channel. I, you can create a post, and I create a post, and I was talking about Art's interview with the Native American Thunderstrikes, where they, him and this guy Thunderstrikes, they talk about the quickening, and the, the, the Native American said to Art that he thought the quickening was, you know, time and events speeding up, going back to time and time travel. It was time speeding up, and he said, the Native American said that our lives seem to be going so much faster because we're going around this karmic wheel faster, usually faster than we do. And he said, our, because of that, our metabolisms were speeding up. And he said, because our metabolisms were speeding up, that's why we were seeing more instances of the shadow people. And he said they were like disincarnate. And they're, they're like, um, have you, did you hear that episode? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I sure do. And I don't believe that our metabolisms have sped up because if they had, I wouldn't have this gut right here. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the quickening I thought was really interesting because, uh, yeah, I, again, uh, like you, I listened to Art uh, back then, and, and I'm really familiar with his, his concept of the quickening. Um, however, since, if I can throw a, a wrench in there, because this makes sense to me, uh, scientists have, uh, you know, psychologists mainly, ha have explored this time going faster. Time seems to go faster right now. And for children, it doesn't. And yeah, that's weird. It's what seems like the older we get, the faster time goes. Right. And 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 the explanation that they gave, the 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 the, the psychologist studying this gave was that when we're children, everything's new to us. You know, we see something outside we haven't seen before. We we read something we haven't read before. We see this new show on TV, we get a new toy. Uh, somebody tells us a fact, you know, why is the sky blue? Well, it's, it has to do with refracted light. Oh, and so we've got all this new stuff and we remember all of that. But when we get older, we know all this stuff and yeah. we go to jobs to where we do the same thing day after day after day. So there's nothing really new that we remember. So everything seems like it goes faster because we're just replaying a, a script. Yeah, so so that's why things go faster, maybe. Yeah, so they don't really go faster. It's just that our perception of them is altered because, like, like I said, we're experiencing the same things over and over and over. So our brain doesn't recognize anything new. Yeah, that's maybe to to slow time down. Maybe we need to travel or something, like do something out of our nor normal ordinary. Like to me, I, besides doing my podcast, I work a, a full time full time job. But like, what's weird is that's all I do is I work my full time job. Then I come home and I prepare for my podcast and then family life, you know, so like, or you know, I'll go out with my girlfriend or whatever. Like, you know, I don't really have a change in like the way I, that things are maybe to experience a slower time you need to experience new things would that make sense I, I, back in 2013 I taught a travel writing class in London for uh, a month and I hadn't been to the UK before and that month felt like the entire summer everything wow. I experienced there was brand new and it just it felt like I was there a lot longer than I was. So yes, I agree with you. That's, that's what happens. 
Wow. So what is your theory on these shadow people then? What do you think they are? And I, I haven't had a chance to read your book, but I think I think everybody should go out and get it because it, it looks very interesting. And what, what are your thoughts on these beings? Well, the uh, the conclusion I came to, because I, I interviewed about 250 people for the book. I didn't include all of them because there was a lot of repetition. There was also some, um, uh, some cases to me that were fairly obviously uh, uh, sleep paralysis. Um, but there are a lot of similarities to shadow people cases. Um, and I gave them different categories. There's, there's one case or one type of shadow people that I call benign shadow people. And, and as a kid, I saw a few of these. And they just tend to walk through a room or down a hallway and take absolutely no notice of you whatsoever. Um, there are shadow people that... Uh, uh, are, are malicious they seem to be they seem to be um they seem to feed off they, they seem to be generating a fear inside the people who witness them and, and they they feed off of it um there there's a, a sh- type of shadow person called the hat man which is uh really intimidating uh, it seems malevolent and it wears a fedora for some crazy reason I've seen that, and I, it seems it's weird that more than like one person see him. Like a lot of people see him, and a lot of people witness the old hag too. I had the old hag when I was a kid, and she's not a shadow person, but she's like kind of like a um, it's a it's an urban legend. It's honestly true. I've experienced it when I was a kid. You know, like it really is somewhat true. Like I, I mean, I I say somewhat because I remember being a kid, and I remember waking up to this old hag in front of me. And then she got closer and closer. And then I woke up in a sweat and that happened a couple of times. Like, and, and then later on when the internet came out and I started hearing other people talk about it, I said, Oh, wow, that happened to me. Would you, have you done research on the old hag as well? Well, right. And, and, and the old hag syndrome, um, a chunk of it has to do with, with shadow people encounters as well. What the old hag syndrome is, is, uh, and it's been around for centuries and centuries and people will wake up. And they won't be able to breathe. They won't be able to move. And they will see this old hag. A lot of times she's sitting on their chest with her arm, with her hands around her, the throat choking them. Uh, and then when they wake up fully, the old hag's gone and they can breathe again. What, what a lot of times this is, it's called hypnagogia uh, or a hypnagogic state. It's when we go to sleep, there is a, a chemical our brain puts out that uh, basically paralyzes us temporarily. And, and if it, we didn't have that, uh, our involuntary muscle movements all throughout the night would wake us up over and over and over again. So basically when we hit uh, a strong REM sleep cycle, we're also paralyzed briefly. But sometimes we're woken up during that deep REM sleep so we're both awake and asleep at the same time. We can see things in the room, but we can't move, and it's hard to breathe. And we're also seeing th- things from the dream state, which could be an old hag. Or in the case when it happened to me when I was in my 20s, uh, the room was full of insects. And I was laying in bed, and a uh, scorpion that was about a foot long with human eyes was crawling down the wall staring at me the whole time. Oh, wow. So, I mean, it's, I'm not saying old hag syndrome with an actual old hag or some sort of entity is, is 
always hypnagogia, but I think in a lot of cases it is. That, uh, but I go ahead. I was just gonna say that's interesting. Like I, 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 I never thought of that. Like, and and what what's weird for me is like I, I practice out of body experiences, like exercises a lot. So like I wonder what how a person has to get to reach the out of body state without turning that hypnagogia switch on. You know what I mean? Because yeah, obviously the, you they say to practice this when you go to out of body. They say always say my mind's awake, my body's asleep, my mind's awake, my body's asleep. They say to say that over and over again. And maybe that has something to do with that. If you think about it, because you want your mind to stay awake, but your body to go to sleep because you're shutting down the body, but you want to pop out of the body. And it sounds like you're asking for it, honestly. Yeah. Doing that. Yeah. You're putting yourself in that exact state. Now I, that scares me. I would love to have an out of body experience. I, I haven't that I know of, I think I might've had one, but it was really freaking weird. But if you're out of your body, aren't you worried that something might inhabit it? Yes. I was, you know, and that's what happened. That's why I wanted to talk to you about shadow people because, okay. I, I had one out of body experience where I popped out of my body and I was above my body. Okay. Because I talked to a lady and she she's really into like spirituality and mysticism. And she said all the sages and mystics throughout time have had odd body experiences. And she made it sound really alluring. And, 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 I, and I think it is. I think you have to be in good certain conditions because the next two times I tried to pop out of body, there was a shadow person waiting there for me. And that freaked me the hell out. And I... Mm-hmm. I have people who email me that are fans of my show and I said what do I do and they said you know get sage so I got incense and I got sage but I still haven't tried to go out of body again because like just because of this whole thing of the shadow people and then I saw we were going to do a show on the shadow people today and I was like well I might as well bring that up because it's it's very interesting like and I don't know what they wait for us to get out of body so they can inhabit our body or if they attack the ethereal body or if they attack the physical body when you're not in it, either way, I don't want to be attacked. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Oh, exactly. Now um, you asked earlier what a shadow person was. And I started off with the benign shadows and I talked about the malevolent ones. A lot of times they have glowing red eyes. And I talked about the hat man. Here's the conclusion that I came to. Shadow people are a lot of things that just happen to look the same. I think that there are residual ghosts that can only appear as a shadow form. I think there are demonic entities. That's the Christian word. They can be jinn. Um, uh, I, I interviewed uh, a Cherokee shaman who talked about uh, these type of beings. I mean, every every uh, you know religion, religious expert I talked to, um, they shadow people are in their belief system, but they're called different things. I don't think any of them are good. None of the stories that I found of encounters with shadow people had a positive experience. They were all negative. They were either being, the the person, the victim was either being fed off of or, 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 you know, tortured psychologically in some way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when going back to the Art Bell days, that's what happened to those people too. They were just like, they were miserable about it. And that guy, that Native American said they can feed off our energy. They're mm-hmm. like, and he called them energy vampires. He said, they said in Native American, they call energy a windy. He called them a windy vampires. Like, is that right? That they're energy vampires? 
Uh, um, yes, uh, absolutely. I and mean, that's, that's what a lot of these descriptions are, uh, are energy vampires. There's, um, there's also a couple of different other types that, that I haven't gone over. One doesn't seem necessarily to be malevolent. Uh, they just seem to watch. I, I've had plenty of, of, of interviews of, of people who were just sitting in their room and all of a sudden they felt like they were being watched and they turned and there was a shadow person peeking around, uh, you know, the, the open area of the door. Uh, I, I interviewed uh, a guy when he was 18. He was home alone and he felt that feeling and he turned around and there was a, a hat man standing in the doorway of the kitchen. And, and when the hat man realized that he was being watched, somebody saw him, it panicked and ran through the kitchen and, and the guy heard a crash and he went in the kitchen and saw the shadow person jump off the back deck. But there was a double pane of glass door and the first pane was busted and the second pane wasn't. Wow. He said the shadow person ran through the door and broke one and, and not the other one. Um, there's also another explanation which takes us back to parallel dimensions. Um, there have been a number of paranormal investigators who, who talked about this. Um, one of the most famous is John Keel, the guy who did the Mothman prophecies. Yeah. Uh, he, he spoke of window areas. Window areas are specific areas that are, uh, the veil is really thin between worlds. Uh, well, maybe that could explain some types of shadow people, that that's all we can see. Maybe they're people like us, but all we can see is their shadow. And then they're appearing in, from a different dimension. It's like a place where the dimensions merge. Is that what you're saying? Right, exactly. That that makes sense. I, I interviewed this guy. His name's Paul Eno. He's a he's in the big in the paranormal community, and he and his son Ben Eno, they were um, um, doing what they call flap areas, where there's high activity of paranormal activity, and um, they were having experiences with um, you know other otherworldly other figures from other dimensions. Seemed like like, and he said he actually had an, a a conversation with someone, and they said that other people the people from other dimensions could they call us the neighbors and they said it's common for them to talk to the neighbors but for some reason we're shut off from that for whatever reason what if what if god if you want to call it god or the creator or a source you know made it not available for us to talk to people from other dimensions or if that's just the way we're built chemically if you don't believe in a god and you want to just believe that we're just built the way we are but i mean it's very weird to say that there, there's not some kind of intelligent design behind our bodies when you think about the amount of blood cells and atoms and everything that we have going through our body and that we're electric and it's very weird i just don't think this is an, a, a, a matter of happenstance like in or i guess you know what i'm trying to say i don't think this is a fluke accident our bodies like it our bodies are too much of a temple to to be a fluke what do you think oh no i i, I agree no i completely agree with that there I, and and it did whatever you want to call uh the creator i think there was one because you're right and i wouldn't call necessarily our body so much as a temple as i would machines yeah that makes better sense yeah right we uh, our bodies are machines and when they're operating correctly they do amazing things yeah and I remember uh, my wife and I, when our first first child was born, this has been 17 years ago, um, we were watching a, Nova, a program on Nova, on PBS. Uh, it was narrated by John Lithgow, and it was about how a woman gets pregnant. And the human body is designed to 
make pregnancy fail unless it's almost perfect. It's got to be such a small set of circumstances to where a person gets pregnant. And just watching that, I'm like, that looks like intelligent design to keep, you know, bad children. Right, exactly. That's that's amazing. That's amazing. I, I, I never thought of that. Like, and and just the way, like, yeah, it, it's it's all very. I can't think of examples right now, but like, it it, it is pretty amazing the way we're built. You know, like it, we're we're built to function just a certain way. Like, it's almost like we're built to have an experience. You know what I mean? We it, we're built to experience something. Like, you know, like this is a vessel, and I, you know, a lot of people in the new age community talk about that we're you know, bodies of light inside of here. And we have a, we incarnated here to have a physical experience. I buy into that. I believe that, you know, I'm not really into new age. I'm not really into the religious. I'm not even either. I just kind of interview people on my podcast and get different perspectives. And I'm, I don't know what really perspective I have. I don't really buy into one any, I just like all hearing about all of them and taking a little bit from each one and incorporating into the way I think, you know, I think that's the best way to, to be. And what do you think? Well, yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I um, have read a lot of interviews with scientists and, and because the general perception of scientists is they're all atheists and, and, and that's not true. And I've read a number of interviews with scientists who've said, I explored my subject of interest as much as I could. And I, I determined that God is the only, or a God is the only explanation to why this works yeah that makes sense yeah i I think so too yeah i I wanted to get into like some uh, one thing real quick like your book chasing american monsters can you talk oh there's a couple oh man there's a couple things i want to talk to you about like well sorry we've been going so long i want to cover a couple things like chasing american monsters your new book a girl in the corn and then you have a really funny book can we talk about this real quick first because I don't want to take up too much of your time, a funeral story. Can you tell the viewers what that's about? I think that's hilarious. Like, can you, can, I read a briefly about it. Can you get into that? All right. Yeah. Funeral story. That was my first novel. Um, and, and the idea came to me from my uncle Jim, because he's always been a bit of uh, a, um, he likes the ladies and he's always liked younger women. And at, my grandmother, his mother's funeral, my, uh, my cousin, his niece, brought a friend with her. And my uncle at his mom's funeral was hitting on his niece's friend. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I'm like, there's, there's a novel here somewhere. And so basically what the story is, is uh, a guy... Uh, most, a lot of my characters are nerds. This guy plays Dungeons and Dragons every Friday, like he has ever since he was in junior high. Um, and he's in his thirties, but he's had for a long time, a habit of going through the obituaries in the newspaper and picking out ones that have women about his age who may or may not be single. And he goes to these strange people's funerals and picks up, picks up women. 
<laughs> I like that. It's almost like the movie Wedding Crashers, like how they uh they they uh they they go to weddings and hook up with girls, but then he goes a little bit off the rails and he's when he goes to a funeral and hooks up with a girl. Do you, do you remember that movie? I, I've never I've never seen it. No, I, I've I've had a couple of people tell me my book reminds them of that though. Yeah, it's 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 a good it's a good movie. Now, just two more things: the Chasing American Monsters. Can you get into that real quick? Right. Um, I've always loved monsters. Uh, when, when I was, when I was small, um, I remember reading in the Kansas city star, which was our you know, local big city newspaper, uh, Bigfoot stories because there were Bigfoot sightings in my home state. And that, you know, to me, monsters were things I saw on Saturday night movies, you know, the B movies that they showed on the independent TV station. Yeah. Um, I remember that. I remember right. That. Right, like the abominable snowman with uh, Forrest Tucker, and uh, oh, anyway, I don't remember. Do you who remember? Else in that. I, I brought this up to someone else. Did you remember? Do you remember all any trauma movies? Trauma was like a B movie company. They were back in like the early eighties, nineties, and two thousands by Lloyd Kaufman and Michael Hertz. They did like B horror movies. Do you remember that at all? Oh, you'd have to give me a couple of couple movie names. Um, uh, Sergeant Kabuki Man, uh, the Toxic Avenger. Um, oh, Toxic Avenger, definitely, yeah. That was their biggest one, I think. Yeah. You know? Um, but then they had um, you know, um, Killer, kill, uh, not Killer Cons from Outer Space, but that was a funny one. Killer Cons yeah. from Outer Space was one of a, one from our our time that was like, you know, probably pretty popular. Um. I, I used to love old horror movies. I would go to the I would go to the video store back when you could rent movies, and I yeah. would you know strictly rent B horror movies because that's what I love to watch. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, those are great. And you know my 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 family and I love watching uh, Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, and, and and we're watching these movies, and my wife's like, "This movie's so bad," and I'm like, "But honey, I loved this movie when I was a kid. This yeah. movie they're making fun of, I watched it." <laughs> Yeah, the 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 woman, uh, you know, the head that wouldn't die. Damn it, I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, monsters. I was into monsters, and then the newspaper was printing stories about Bigfoot. And and you know, back then newspapers printed the truth, right? <laughs> you were sad. I was right. Yeah. So yeah, I I I you know was was hooked into monsters. So uh, I've always always been in love with with the concept of creatures out there that are real that science hasn't discovered yet and and science discovers eighteen thousand brand new species every year most of them are insects and fish but there are some larger ones that get discovered but anyway i i wanted a book where i explored every state and and wrote about the monsters and uh, that are that are seen in those states and uh it, it was a lot of fun so whatever state you live in uh, man, I got monsters for you. What about Pen- dog Pencil- man? Where Pen- dog man? Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania's got the squonk. You'll have to look that up. Dog man. Uh, wait, wait, God, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. What's the squonk? I got to hear this. This is the, the squonk. The squonk. What, what are the dogs with all the wrinkles? Is that a sharpay? Yeah, it's like a cross between a sharpay and a pig. Oh my and god! It, <laughs> and it it lives out and it lives it lives in the forest and uh, uh, it cries and. Uh, there was one story uh, from the 1800s of a, of, of a man finding one and he put it in a big sack and put the burlap sack over his shoulder. And by the time he walked back home, all he had was a bag full of tears. 
<laughs> that's interesting. Like that's funny. That, that's, yeah. that's really cool. Now, what's your, your book? A girl and girl in the. Uh, but real quick, what, what did you find out about Dog Man? A dog, Dog Man. I've actually, uh, uh, I know a couple of guys who who've encountered a Dog Man before at you different think that's times. Just an, an unidentified species, or what are your thoughts? Man, I, I, I'd have to go uh, with something more paranormal than an unidentified species. That's cool. I, I yeah. dig that. I because I, I think that's what Bigfoot is. I think Bigfoot's more supernatural. I think he can come in and out of dimensions if he wants to, you know, or maybe he's a bot for the UFOs. Who knows? I, I don't right. know. I know there there are lots of theories or lots of hypotheses out there about Bigfoot, and uh, um, I'm not buying into any of them until uh, somebody hits one with a car. But <laughs> but yeah, Bigfoot could be about anything. But that's that's what I think about Dog Man. And, and a couple of the encounters um, I interviewed people over, uh, it, it kind of seems like it's more paranormal than uh, you know natural. Yeah, it doesn't seem. And sometimes I think like because I listen to that show on YouTube called Dog Man Encounters, where they, they people call in and they tell their stories about Dog Man. It seems to me like sometimes it could be like a a research project gone wrong but then at other times it's just so weird like it's just a north american name for werewolf i found out and like it, and it just seems like these things exist just like bigfoot exists you know they exist somewhere in some other dimension that people haven't really discovered yet or and i wonder it makes me think i this was a question i had for you i wonder if we could go and travel in time i wonder if 50 years from now if they'll even have more connection to the paranormal than we have now what do you think uh, yeah, well, maybe what I'm hoping for is uh, one of the one of the things, the cool things about teaching at a university is is the fact that I, I make friends outside my department and a couple of my friends, uh, one's a chemist, the other's a physicist, and they are both really, really big fans of the paranormal. And so we've had sit down talks about this before. And they're like, we need the you know, the, all the TV shows with with the people going out on the weekends and, you know, looking for ghosts and Bigfoot. Those people are meaningless. They're entertainment. The people who need to find ghosts and Bigfoot are us. Yeah. We're scientists. We're the people that, that the rest of the world's gonna listen to. Yeah. And exactly. right. And and I think a lot of things to do with the paranormal. Um Bigfoot, especially, there have been a couple of scientists, the most uh, Jeff Meldrum being being, I think, the biggest name who thinks Bigfoot exists. Uh, Jane Goodall for you know, the 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 woman who studied chimps back in the 60s um thinks bigfoot exists and and with all of the uh information the government's put out about uh you know unidentified aerial phenomena i think these are becoming so mainstream that maybe the academics will take them seriously enough to actually find something yeah i think so too but, but like um and then lastly the last question i have for you your new novel um a girl in the corn i think that looks pretty amazing you're amazing seems like you're an amazing writer i'm probably gonna buy a funeral story when we get off the uh when we get off the computer here because like this is uh that sounds like an amazing story but i want my fans to go get all your books but what what uh what's a girl in the corn all about uh girl in the corn is a uh six-year-old boy named thomas cavanaugh uh lives on a farm and one day when he's outside with his mother in the garden, a fairy appears on a corn leaf and beckons him to come with it. He doesn't, but the fairy follows him throughout his entire life and his life turns miserable from the encounter and uh, lots of explosive things happen. 
Wow, that sounds really cool. That sounds really cool. I don't. Yeah, that, that's. All, I was going to say, don't give it too much away. But that's it. When that that comes out in January, right? January eleventh. Yep, it's available for birthday. order now. Though. That's hey, like that 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 that's <laughs> isn't life a coincidence? Like that that's yeah. so weird that we met on to. Yeah, so I'll have to order it. You know, so um, that's awesome. <laughs> Uh, anything else? Do you have a website or anything you want to? Oh, yeah, I know you have a website, but do you want to tell the viewers where to find you, where your website is, and everything? Right. Yeah, my website is uh, www.jasonoffit. J A S O N O F F U T T dot com. All right. And my awesome. bio's there. I got links there. I've got uh, uh, you know some short, a number of short stories that I've posted. So uh, there's some writing for free if you want to read it. That's awesome. Thank you for doing this. This was awesome, man. I enjoyed this. All right. Hey, Robert, I've had a lot of fun. Thank you very much again for asking me. Thank you. We'll have to do it again sometime. Have a good night. Absolutely. You too. All right.